Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast uh, again with Copper the dog. Um, this time he's slightly more hyper than he's been the last couple times, so y'all will probably hear him today. We're also here with the reason you come, your favorite host, TJ Tiberius One Blackwell. Hello. Yeah, and we have uh, another special guest, uh, old college friend of mine. Uh, he was friends with Niles and Kelly, if y'all listen to those episodes. Uh, Christian Ashley. Welcome How's to the show, going, guys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, great to have you on. Great to have you on, man. Um, yeah, today we're just going to be talking to him about uh, creative writing and uh, just some of his own personal beliefs and um, just jump in and see see how things go. Yeah, so we wanted to review, as always, some of our audience engagement. And uh, th- this is a this is kind of a weird one, TJ. Yeah. Um, Eric Nevin's been on the show before. Also listens to the show and is the, one of the editors of Podcast Magazine. So uh, his interaction was putting our show on one of the summer editions of Podcast Magazine really? on the off the radar list. So sweet, so, nice. yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Off the charts list, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, thank you to all our patrons. Uh, you guys made it possible for us to be on Podcast Magazine. You guys are the best. And you guys will also have an opportunity to answer today's silly question on Fun Day Friday. And today's silly question, if we're all ready, and uh, Christian, you, you know the drill. Me and TJ Lance first. Give you time to think about it. Here you go. Would you rather bathe in baby oil or slime? What kind of slime? Like Nickelodeon slime. Uh, okay, uh, Nickelodeon slime. Because like it, ha- it's got to be easy to wash off. Like there's no way they're just blasting celebrities and on their way out. Like, oh, make sure you have pumice soap. God, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be funny if they were though. It would be. Um, I'm gonna go with baby oil. Um, and I'll, I'll be transparent. Literally, I'm only going with baby oil because TJ said slime. And also, <laughs> I kind of like how it makes my skin feel. So you know, whatever. Yeah, but bathing in it, how do you get it off? You know, just it'll drip off probably eventually. Just use a towel, rub it real good. Um, <laughs> Christian, baby oil or slime? Well, I'm a prissy little princess, so I hate getting dirt and grime on me. So slime, I automatically associate with bad. So I know baby oil isn't that much better, but I'm going to go with baby oil. Yeah. Yeah, TJ. Fair, fair. One thing we believe is extremely useful for church unity is to hear one another's stories. Uh, would you mind giving us uh, like the elevator pitch version of your testimony? I'll try and shorten this. My favorite thing in the world is to talk about myself. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up in a Christian home, uh, Baptist. I came to faith when I was six years old. I, I bugged my pastor for months to get baptized. Uh, he wouldn't relent. He said, it's going to be on this date. It's going to be on this date. So eventually got that. Uh, high school was that moment of, you know, just realizing what, what am I, do I really believe in this? What's going on here? And then going to college on my own was that big, you know, smack in the face. Okay. I'm on my own. Do I actually believe in any of this? What am I supposed to do in this world? And for the first two years, I really didn't do too much until God eventually brought people like Niles into my life and said, Hey, you want to come to church? It's like, Oh, 
Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. Sure, I'll do it. And then being reintroduced into the word, getting back in the idea of community helped strengthen my faith again uh, to the point where now I work. Uh, I have two churches I attend right now, uh, one of which I work with the fifth and sixth graders uh, and the other of which I work as a small group leader. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, see, I, I had a real specific memory with Christian that I, w- I wanted to share with the, with everybody, primarily because I want to know if Christian remembers this because it wasn't a particularly memorable event, honestly, but it's something my brother and I bring up pretty regularly. Uh, the season six premiere of Doctor Who, uh, Christian Ashley was at my apartment for it, it was just me, him and my brother watching the premiere episode and we made burgers and the thing that was memorable had nothing to do with the show like honestly absolutely nothing to do with that they were just some really good burgers that i have never been able to replicate and every time i make burgers now my brother just looks at me he's like not the same (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and it's just really funny because it's like a it's like a me and my brother thing we compare all burgers to that day and we're like we we have often wondered if you remember that. Okay, okay. Was this fresh? Excuse me, uh, junior or so, or senior year? Oh, I want to say it was senior year. Because I have vague recollection of exactly what you're talking about, but my memory has died. I'm trying to as think. I've aged. I think. Are you a year ahead of me? Uh, I graduated in thirteen. Well, I didn't graduate. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> Uh, when did you start? I started in 09. I started in 10. So, yeah, okay, you're a year yeah, ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> that so sounds right. Been I think it was my junior, junior year. So. My senior, yes, yes. I do. Okay. All right. I, I, it's, it sounds like it wasn't as memorable, <laughs> which is kind of good. I feel like it would have been weird if you were also going around being like, I bet Josh never did that again. You <laughs> probably could never recul- like, recreate those. Yeah. He can't. Yeah, sorry. That that had nothing to do with Christian unity, but it was a moment of unity. So, you know, it's it's relevant. Among Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Burgers. That's the answer to the whole church. There you go. Um, Maybe slightly more relevant. Uh, (laughs) Christian, could you tell us something about the the church you go go to now and what makes it unique? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. So, like I said, I attend two churches right now, Um, one of which is real life right now in the thing I brought up of me working with the fifth and sixth graders, it's kind of the unique thing we do there is that instead of keeping the fifth graders down with the elementary kids and keeping the sixth graders with the middle school and above kids is we figured out they were kind of getting left out and just weren't responding. They were too, too mature for the elementary style lessons and they weren't mature enough for the more, you know, high school, middle school lessons. So we split them up, put them together for that. And that's where I currently teach as part of that group. Uh, my other church, uh, The Vine, uh, one of the things I really like that we do is right before we start worship, one of us will come up and read from one of the Psalms or another part of the Bible that goes back to worshiping God. And that's always been a delight to help pump us up right before we're, we're going to sing. Right. That's actually oh, pretty unique. Uh, the, the middle school, like, you know, the school system in the town near me, Inman, does the same thing. They have uh, kindergarten through fourth grade as one school, as their elementary school. Then they have intermediate school, which is five and six and oh. middle school. Oh. So it's, it works really well. It's a good system. More people should know that, I think. 
Oh, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily important to the people listening, but <laughs> any school administrators <laughs> listening, put those kids My together. school administrator. So if you she listens. Listen. Yeah. You never know. Are you about to love me enough to do that? Um, I'm <laughs> Who knows? I, I am... Uh, I am interested, though. Why do you go to two churches? Like, I, well, that's actually one church curious. spawned from another church. Mm-hmm. I, the the vine used to actually be a small group uh, within real life, and over time, it's just it was primarily singles at that point in time, twenties to thirties. And uh, my pastor Charlie, uh, it's just one of those. If you saw him, that's tatted up Jesus. <laughs> saw him on the street. Perfect. What a great uh, nickname. <laughs> it had been burdened on his heart to like start leading a church. And what my old uh, youth pastor had started a church in Mount Holly uh, called Rhythm. And he had uh, been working in the community for many years. And there were these, there was this old church there that had not been in use for, I believe, five years at that point in time. And there were two ladies there that run a, a food ministry uh, every Wednesday night. And, they had asked him, hey, do you know anybody in need of a church? And so he went to my pastor and said, hey, Charlie, uh, you want the keys to a church? <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so why that's not? why I attend both of them. Awesome. Nice. nice. A, whole, a small okay. group became a whole church. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Crazy. So um, what, what denominations are they? Uh, well, that's an excellent question. I mean... Real life started off Baptist. We've now kind of moved not completely non-denominational, but it's not like we subscribe to a particular one. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really define myself as any particular denomination either. I just really kind of want to worship Jesus and do what he tells me to do. Now, whatever that makes me. That'll make the speed round more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Will it? (laughs) I think so. So not that there's anything wrong with subscribing to to a singular denomination. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's just not where my heart burdens me. Do what? So they're both like that? Yes. Yeah. All right. So every now and then we like to do our speed round segment. Uh, we ask a series of questions uh, that we would like you to answer in one sentence or a word if you can. Uh, and if you can't do that, we just need you to say skip. We'll skip it. And we are not allowed to answer any follow up questions. Are you ready? All right. Let's do it. All right. Who is God? See, God is God is the creator of everything, the three in one, who who made humanity so that he could love us and have that personal relationship with us. What is the gospel? The good news of the, the gospel is that, you know, despite the fact that we sinned against God, he's provided the way out of it from our sins through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ but only if we repent and devote ourselves to him. Are you more pre, mid, or post-tribulation? I'm the heretical fourth option of right before post-trib. So six and a half years in. Uh, So uh, what do you believe about the doctrine of the elect? Uh, I believe that God chose us from the very beginning, knowing who would be his throughout the entirety of human history. But at the same time, people also have the ability to use their free will to say they chose him. Mm. What is sanctification? Sanctification, that's uh, it's kind of the process that 
all who are saved, we're going to have to go through at some point in our lives. Is that the, the moment of salvation all the way to the end of our lives, which God is kind of transforming us into this newer person he's making us into, no matter how many times we screw up. How old is the earth? Uh, however God, God wants it to be. Because I mean, regardless of how it was made, it was miraculous, and that's what ultimately matters to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the sons of God in Genesis 6-2? I think they're fallen angels given human form either through some way that they corrupted creation or through possession so they could lead humanity astray from God. Uh, what is the significance of baptism? Uh, it's It doesn't save you. But what it serves as is this public means through which a church body can see the inward spiritual change of someone who's accepted Christ as their Savior so that they can work together with them now. How many, if any, of the seven sacraments do you observe? Okay. Uh, baptism, absolutely, yes. Uh, communion, absolutely, yes. Uh, marriage, yes. The Holy Orders, not so much. Confirmation, not so much. Penance. Yes, in the idea of, you know, I have to go to God when I've sinned. I don't have to use an intermediary. And anointing the sick is something I've actually been a part of, too. So, yes. All right. Most of them. Congratulations. Uh, that was a nine-question speed round, which I think is the, the longest one ever. Uh, crushed it. Absolutely <laughs> crushed it. Uh, on you. to non-speed round questions. Uh, so, how did you get into For writing? Anyone... Oh. Do you have something you want to say, Josh? anyone interested uh I think I might have the exact same answer for the sacraments question. Really? Or very close. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, Christian, uh, how did you get into writing? Well, it's always been kind of funny to me because when I was a kid, I hated writing. I mean, with the North Carolina, you know, standard school system tests at third grade, you had to write. And I just remember talking with my dad, just being upset, like, I hate this. I don't want to do it. I, I can't make things up. And then how I moved on past from that is as I grew up, I've always had this love for reading. And that's one of the things my parents always encouraged in me was to have this healthy appetite for reading. And when I was in high school, uh, I read Stephen King's to stand. Mm. And it was at that moment of, I had this bit of inspiration. It was like, well, this is a cool idea, but what about these ideas I'm having? Why don't I make something out of that? And I had two really great English teachers at that period of time who helped encourage me, helped give me resources. In fact, we actually started a writing club at that point in time in the high school uh, because she saw that interest that I and several other my classmates had. Um, cool. And then at that point, that's when I had to figure out, like, well, what do I want to do with this? So I decided to look for a college. And UNC Wilmington is, if I remember correctly, the second best in the nation. It's the best. It was the, well, obviously, it's in the general. best. <laughs> uh, go Seahawks. Um. There you go. And so I, I went there to get my degree. And that's where I really got my start was working through that. All right. Yeah. Stephen King's kind of lofty aspiration. Like it, it's, <laughs> it really seems like he's just written down every single idea he's ever had and then sold a million copies of it. Like no, he I, only sold a million copies of like the really like weird and messed up ideas he had the normal ones he still wrote them down but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no I, one bought the, I went to the hot dog stand post i bet I you anything huge notebook he, right over here with a ton of stuff in it that i'm never gonna finish right unless yeah, I he doesn't like do that ghost writers 
No. Yeah, he doesn't do that. He either writes down everything or he is from the future and is just stealing the best novel ideas from his time. (laughs) It's one of those two things. So I I do got to say, we we are not endorsing Stephen King, by the way. (laughs) But one of my favorite books, actually, is uh, he writes about writing. On writing? And it's Mm -hmm. just so like, I don't even necessarily am like, I don't necessarily want to be a writer. Like, I don't want that to be like my life goal. I like writing. I'd like to do more of it. It's just the way he words things is just so nice. Um. Anyway, but my favorite writer and my, what I would say my favorite theologian was C.S. Lewis, who actually went to college for writing and for literature. Um, he never considered himself a pastor or a theologian. Like if you read half of his books in the preface, he's like, Hey, I'm just some nobody who doesn't know anything, but I'm going to let you know what I think anyway. Yep. Um, it's, it's really fun to hear how humble Lewis is <laughs> about his own stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah. Here's one of the most fundamentally important books from my time. Um, screw tape letters. But let me start by saying, this is just make believe. And I don't know what I'm talking about. I go, okay, good stuff. Yep. Um, but I also think uh, one of the classes at UNCW that helped me understand the Bible the most was also the Bible as literature. So I wonder how has studying writing and studying literature helped you in your reading of the word and understanding it? Did you have Walker for that? I think that was a professor. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I had that yeah. as well. I'm just taking it a different times. Man. Yeah. That, um, That's where I got my new Jerusalem Bible from. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love that thing, man. It's like, and it's one of those things that class forced me to look at the Bible in a different way. It's like, well, yeah. how, how do you interpret the Bible? Do you just look at it as Super poetry as is the Bible history? Is the Bible a literal record of events that happened in the past? Like, well, there has to be something. I can't just, you know, sit in church behind the pew and say, well, I just <laughs> believe it because I do. That's not good faith. And so what, Reading the Bible taught me is what, especially when it comes to writing itself, is that if I'm going to make a world out there in this big old multiverse, omniverse, however you want to slice it, (laughs) then at the end of the day, I didn't make that world. God made the world. So it's going to follow rules and regulations he's put on this world, too. Not every single one of them, mind you. Because in you know an I infinite omniverse, God can do whatever He wants. I want to limit His creativity, but there are certain things that are always going to be constants, like His love, like His faithfulness, and like making a grace of people to be loved by Him. That's how. But I'm never going to understand any of that if I don't look into the Word and see how much He poured into it and said, "These are mine. I made them for me." They're going to bring glory to me, and I will be their father and their God. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways that you could support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You could share this episode on your own social media. You could donate to us on Cash App with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever great podcasts are found. You could rate us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, 
or you could sign up for our newsletter on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Yeah, especially that last one. It's the best way for you to be connected with us and what we're doing with the podcast. Yeah. And we have a devotion on there and a word of the month. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. It's in Hebrew or Greek. You want to get back to the show? Yes. And it's one as C.S. Lewis actually made me think of. Have you read the whole space trilogy, Josh? Yes. Yeah. Great yeah. stuff. I love the space trilogy. That gave you a strength little, yeah, at the end there. It's listen, space trilogy is significantly better than Narnia. Uh, Whoever wants to argue, you can email us at thewholechurch at gmail dot <laughs> or meet me in the meet me anywhere you want. I'll drive you. Back. There you go. So, like Narnia is perfect for children to kind of understand the basics of, you know, who, who God is, creation and stuff like that. Space Trilogy is more the idea of if there are other races out there, are there other alien races, even within our own solar system and beyond, God made them too. So what does that mean? You go Malachandra and now the silent planet. There are three separate races there mm-hmm. and God is in control of them. Paralandra is Venus. And you get this idea, we get to see the Adam and Eve story again through C.S. Lewis's writing there. But we see it doesn't matter that it was a fruit. What matters is that they were told not to do something. And they did it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, the space trilogy was uh, C.S. Lewis's version of doing like the what if Marvel's what ifs, but yeah. with the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, what if? <laughs> Because we get to see two unfallen worlds in that series. And it's so weird to see how that could have gone on. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. And um, speaking of Narnia, though, he he did say Aslan had some some great lines. And one of them was there is a version. And this is a terrible quote because I don't care about the books of Narnia. So I never learned the quotes. But he said there's a version of me in every universe. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's one of me in Narnia, but there's one in your world, too. And that's another you know, great that, thing. That speaks to what you're talking about, right? With the, yeah. the rules being the same, even in your own writing, like there's some things your mind won't let you create. If I'm making a separate world, at some point in time, Jesus has to die. It doesn't have to be on a cross, but he has to die for the sake of humanity if they've fallen. Yeah, which that harkens to do something both Tolkien and um, J.K. Rowling said, too, where you know people accuse their writing of being really symbolic of Christ and stuff. I'm like, well, you know, I didn't intend that. But, you know, sometimes you just, you, stuff just happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard yeah. not to look back at it. It's one of the most, it's the most formative event that happened in human history. Oh, yeah. Outside of creation. Mm-hmm. Oh, is yeah. the, the life, death, mm-hmm. and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, now I suppose uh, another way, like, when I look at interpreting the Bible and how I have to look at it through, through a literary perspective is language and history. And I actually, uh, like I told you, we do the Psalms every now and then. I spoke on Psalm 14 a couple of weeks ago. And in that, in that Psalm, there is a verse that says, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it right in front of me. The, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, if you just look at that, just like plain language. Oh, well, obviously atheism is wrong. I'm so much better than them. Then you're missing the yeah, point of the original Hebrew. 
Say that again. Yeah, it's just saying that atheism is stupid, right? <laughs> I, yeah, if you're just looking at the surface level, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but then when you look at the word, the Hebrew word there for fool is nabal, which can mean foolish or stupid or one who's morally deficient. Now, who does that sound like? Everyone. <laughs> no one gets a pass in that regard, because every time I've ever said in my heart, you know, I know this better than you, Lord. I'm stronger than you. I can do this on my own. I'm saying there is no God because I'm allowing my sin to overtake me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, it's, I think it's one of the Proverbs too says, the fool says in his own heart that he is wise. And we all do that because we're all like, yeah, the fool, that guy, not me. Guess what? You just did that thing that they say fools do. Precisely. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it kind of, it goes beyond even that, uh, you know, in today's world where everyone gets an education and, you know, most people, well, maybe not most people, but a you know, good majority of people go to college. It's, you know, it's different. No one can just easily be labeled the fool anymore. Uh, but Werner Heisenberg uh, said the first sip from the cup of natural sciences will turn you into the atheist. But at the bottom of the glass, uh, God is waiting for you. It's like, mm-hmm. The fool can apply to a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I love that. um, Yeah. And I think what you were getting at, which correct me if I'm wrong, is basically God lives in all of our imaginations. So whenever we write, he's going to be there. Whether you want him in your imagination or not, I mean, tough luck. But it's one of those things that's even brought up, I think, in Paralandra as well, is the idea that intelligence is good, a gift from God. That way, when I think it's the unman has to use it, he also has to spend time devoting to torturing small creatures because he can't stand the intelligence. The good thing he has to use in order to have a power over uh, what's his name, ransom. Uh-huh. It's just this idea of intelligence. So good creativity is so great because we get to see God through it. Right. Because ultimately, as the creator, of course, he's going to be creative. I mean, have you seen the way we all look? Right. Have you seen the platypus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, listen, the smaller best, best design right there. <laughs> the smaller things get, the more complex they get. Like Absolutely. There are fractals in everything and that worries me a lot. Cuz that is just crazy. <laughs> it's insane. All right, and uh join us next week to talk about the microverse with the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Let's just not spin off of Marvel Studios. We're getting that big money now. They uh, ripped me off. And we got got pretty geeky here. Uh, If you want to hear us get geeky again, our next show is going to be called Systematic Geekology. So, you know, y'all be looking for that. Look at that perfect segue. Um, That's true. It (laughs) sounds like he's telling a joke. Yeah. It sounds like he's telling a joke. He's not. Uh, Josh and I and uh, a lot of people we know are starting another podcast called Systematic Geekology, and we're just going to do a bunch of nerd stuff uh, through the lens of Christianity. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, episodes start next month. So look out for that. Yeah. And related to that, I think Christian's uh, doing an anime podcast with uh, another friend of ours from Crossway, uh, John. I, f- I feel like I'm going to say his name wrong. I always want to okay. say elderly, but it's or is it elderly? elderly? Well, it's it's early. And you remember Matt Bailey? John? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the first semester, he knew John. He thought John's last name was Urkel. 
<laughs> so I, I had made, we were helping him move out of Galloway and uh, I made a joke. I made a pun based on elderly for John and Matt wasn't laughing. It was like, what, you not understand the joke? And that's when we found out he had him in his phone as John Urkel. That's, that's hilarious. fantastic. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to know who Matt Bailey is, uh, I have been traumatized and I still have flashbacks of this guy. Um, we played a game called Assassin. I was his target. <laughs> it took him several days, but I, I found him under my bed. I found him, you know, where I'm eating. He was literally everywhere I was about to be. Um, it was a pretty intense event. Uh, yeah, we had to uh, ban it because we were so competitive. We were causing problems on I, campus. I would say 10 out of 10 would recommend. Do it. <laughs> Fun times. No one um, wants to play Assassin with me. <laughs> oh, yeah? Remember, Katie, Katie stood you outside wouldn't. my class as it was letting out around like three-ish. I realized she had me, and I had to run all the way from there <laughs> to my car. I had to hide underneath cars to get away from her to get to my car and escape her. Yeah. Well, it got so bad for me. Matt, I think he must have got my phone or something. He started warning the people who were my targets. And basically trying to blackmail me to just be assassinated because he's like, I'm not going to let you win, man. <laughs> That's one thing I we just, learned is that we're all too competitive for our own good. I think it was great. Um, that being said, so how can we use assassin to bring church unity? <laughs> so, uh, that created more like disunity. Always ask, before, we, before we ramble off too far, uh, we like to ask everybody, um, if you just had to give a single tangible action our listeners could go do, that would help maintain unity in the church, what would it be? Don't live in an echo chamber. Please, for the love of God. That's true. Just There's so much more we can do if we listen to something that we don't agree with naturally. Mm -hmm. So what would be... What would be a practical example of how they could get out of an echo chamber or know they're in an echo chamber if they are? Does everything you hear tickle your ears? As I believe one of the Timothys says. Mm -hmm. Does it but just, if, oh man, that feels good hearing that. Yeah. If is everything there anything you in your hear, life? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, if it sounds like something you would say, uh, you're probably in an echo chamber. How do they get out? Uh, I think it's easiest on social one. media. Yeah. Go ahead. Number two, yeah. once you're aware, you have to seek out, well, what's a voice that's saying, not exactly, doesn't always have to be the opposite, but it's not saying the exact same thing I'm saying. Let me learn from them. Do I have a friend who has an idea that is something I kind of cringe at naturally? You know, is is there a work, someone at work that does that? Is there someone at church who has that belief? You know, spend time with them so you can understand, okay, why do they believe what they believe? And why do I hold so strong to what I believe? Am I right? Am I wrong? I'm never going to know if I just stay in that echo chamber and keep hearing exactly what I want to hear reverberated right back to me. Right. Yeah. Fair warning, though. Um, if you are in an echo chamber, uh, leaving is one of the hardest things to do ever. Uh, it's not a fun experience, but it is necessary for your growth. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, think, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the easiest place to get into and out of an echo chamber uh, is probably Twitter. Uh, I know a lot of people hate Twitter. Yeah, I do. I hate Twitter. I use Twitter every day. 
Um, <laughs> but it is. Yeah, most people who hate it use it. Yeah. It's so easy Me too. to be in an echo chamber. Most people on there are, and that's what makes a lot of people hate Twitter. Uh, but it's just too easy to get out of it. Just look up one person you hate, find someone replying to that guy, see what they're talking about. Get as many opinions in you there just, as you can. Go yeah, if you followed everyone who's been on this podcast on Twitter, you will not be in an echo chamber. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Here's a super practical way that's going to sound silly at first. Find a fandom that people around you enjoy and see if you have the exact same opinions. For instance, I'm friends with people who think The Last Jedi was a good movie. It's a great movie. I mean, God will forgive you for that. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like, I can talk to you and still love you, even though to me, The Last Jedi is the abomination of desolation. And God should have turned his back on us. But Mm. that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means Mm. I feel strongly in this way about something, but we can have a dialogue about that and not hate each other at the end simply because you have a different opinion than I do. So do you think it's yeah. the worst Star Wars movie? Uh, without a doubt. Uh, what? Worse than Rise of Skywalker? Uh, I, at the end of the day, the assassination of Luke's character in Last Jedi really rubs me way worse than all the inconsistencies in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think it's really only as bad as it is because we had Legends Luke for so long, but that's not what this right? podcast is about. Uh, yeah, so, more of that. Go to our other podcast uh, where I will argue that Revenge of Sith is worse than most of the sequels. <laughs> Maybe worse than Rise of Skywalker. I can't decide. I'll that sounds you. like fun debate. Yeah. Anyway, but that's that's not this show. That's back on track. Go to that other show. But yeah. Christian, uh, what do you think we would see change in the world and the church if uh, everyone got out of their echo chambers? Well, one of the great things Echo Chambers force you to do is listen to other people. I mean, uh, one of my friends uh, in the Vine has started a YouTube channel called Foreign Saints. And one of the things he does is a table flipper series. And I was on one of his uh, uh, videos talking about race relations within the church. And that's an uncomfortable topic. Especially when you don't bring it up. Yeah. yeah. So bring it up, talk about them. See like, where is he coming from? Where am I coming from? What do I need to learn? What does he need to learn? And imagine the growth that can come from that. If you're both coming from, I love Jesus and I love you, you know, the two greatest commandments in the world. Let's move from where I, I have these ideas I hold on to, to, Oh, you love Jesus. Oh, you love me. Okay. What can we do about that? And not in a like, oh, kumbaya-ish way, but like, let's actually do, put the work into this to where we can go out and make disciples. Good stuff. Thank you for that. Um, So the last thing we'd like to do on our show uh, before the outro is our God Moment segment. Uh, It's just a moment in our lives recently where we saw God, whether that be a moment of weakness or a challenge, moment of worship, a blessing, any of those things. And I always like to make Josh go first. So I'm going to do that today. I have just so many God moments. And I had one that I was prepared to give today. But then, an hour or two before we started recording this, one of my best friends had a baby. So uh, 
he sent me the picture of the baby and it's just one of those where you're like, you know, it still touches your heart a little bit. You're like, man, my friend's a dad. And, uh, hey, Zach, shout out to you. I know you occasionally listen. It meant the world to me to see your baby within hours of it being born. Thank you for the picture. I feel very blessed to have you as a friend and blessed that there's more life in the world. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I think my God moment today, uh, my boss let me off work 10 minutes early, so I wouldn't be late for this episode. And I was. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we made it work. So, yeah. That was a, that was a great God moment. <laughs> Just think of how much yeah. later you would have been if he hadn't let you off this 10 minutes before. Yeah. Yeah, would have been awful. Oh, man, that's funny. So, Christian, do you have a God moment for us? Uh, Yeah, I do. Um, I got the opportunity Wednesday night this past week to preach uh, on a message. Uh, I And guess when I found out I was supposed to be doing oh. it? Tuesday night. Tuesday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, I had gone to my pastor before then, like, hey, I have an unorthodox idea I want to do for, like, you know, the – 10 minute little mini sermons we give before worship. And I wanted to do the myth of Pandora and mm. explain mm. how the Greeks viewed the idea of releasing hope versus how we look at it, which is a good thing versus them. Oh, that's just false hope. We have nothing to hope in. And mm. to give, to get the opportunity, number one, to expand that message far beyond what I thought it was going to be. And to see, you know, the gears turning in people's heads about how much hope we have in Jesus Christ as I'm, you know, just waving my hands wildly, you know, rushing from one side of the room to the other, preaching this message, like, you know, I'm on <laughs> no medication at all. And to actually <laughs> see them respond positively, not to me, but to what God has to say was one of those eye openers you need to just see, like, how amazing he is. Praise God. Awesome. And this has been a really great sample of what our other show is going to be like. <laughs> I like this episode. Awesome. All right. I didn't fail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, B plus. <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. Aim higher next time. But uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed listening to this episode, uh, thank you. First of all, uh, thank you for your time today. Uh, check back next week for our new episode. Uh, we'd love to have you back. And uh, remember to share this with a friend uh, or an enemy acquaintances cousins all of the above put the link on a poster if you're real and just show it get to a people tattoo. get a tattoo of the qr code for this episode uh if you do that i'll pay for it <laughs> but <laughs> don't make promises or the show trailer do this episode of the show trailer i'll pay for the tattoo and uh thank you again <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, Christian, where can people find more of you or hear more of you if they can? Uh, you can find most of my books on Amazon. Uh, also, as well, at starvingwritersguild.com. Uh, eventually, when John and I do release the anime podcast, it'll be under Starving Writers Guild Anime Podcast. Uh, we'll send some feelers out through Twitter that way. Um, other than that, that's about it. Have Pratt will reach me. Sweet. All right. Sweet. 
future guests we have on the show. Uh, return guests, Professor Chris Moreland and Sister Rose of the Catholic Campus Ministries at UNCW. Uh, Dr. Greg Allison will also be returning to talk about his new book, Embodied, Living as a Whole People in a Fractured World. Amy Watson of Wednesdays with Watson will also be returning. And of course, at the end of the season, we'll have Francis Jack. Hopefully. Yeah, he just, he's not really sure about that yet, but now. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure God will tell him. That'd be cool. season one won't end until we have Francis Chan. So, yeah, he'll show up. It's if in his court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, once again, thank you he for knows. listening. Thank you for your time. And uh, go support us on Patreon if you want to hear the last thing we do in the show.